Hello, and welcome to Menno Minis. I am Denise Wellick-Peterson, founder of the Menopause Project, creator of the Use Your Cycle Method. I've been a personal trainer for the last 18 years to hundreds of women, helping them through hormonal disruption, perimenopause, and menopause. Coming out on the other side, celebrating their strength, their health, and their wisdom. Because menopause doesn't have to suck. In Menno Minis, we'll be discussing everything from workouts and veggies to sleep and sex, becoming an empty nester, and everything that comes along with that. Welcome to today's Menno Mini. Hello, how is everybody doing today? Denise Wallach-Peterson, founder of the Menopause Project and creator of the Use Your Cycle Method. Today, we are going to cover sleep and a little bit how sleep affects weight loss, but a lot of it how sleep affects everything, right? So today, what I want to do is we're going to talk about the benefits of a good night's sleep because, you know, it's always good to know why we're sleeping. But I'm also going to talk about the dangers of not getting enough sleep because, well, some people deal better when they know the scary facts. Some people deal better when they know what they're going to get out of it. So let's cover it from all angles. I'm also going to cover some of the uncommon causes of insomnia, why there's such an upheaval in our sleep around perimenopause and menopause, and how we can support your night by finding you your custom bedtime and then helping you with some ideas on how to create the perfect bedtime ritual for you so that you can get the most out of your sleep. So let's start today with the benefits of a good night's sleep. Did you know that it is scientifically proven that a good night's sleep is seven to nine hours? So if you're not getting anywhere near seven to nine hours, we need to examine this, right? The benefits to brain and body include having a stronger heart, increased physical performance, so you can exercise with more intensity, you can lift heavier weights, you can go faster when you are well rested. Through melatonin production, sleep helps to prevent some cancers. While we sleep, your body is repairing from things like stress, toxins, UV rays. So the longer we are sleeping, the more time it has to repair. Did you hear UV rays in there? That means let's fix those wrinkles. Let's help prevent those wrinkles. Get your sleep. More sleep helps increase immunity. It helps prevent weight gain. It improves your mood. And for your brain, it helps increase your productivity, your memory, and your concentration. Now I'm here in Minnesota and we have a popular coffee shop that reminds us you can sleep when you're dead. But I am here to remind you that we will be dead a whole lot sooner if we do not sleep. Sleep is about more than just a few pounds. It's about more than just too much coffee. Sleep is a vital component to mental and physical health. Now, did you know that if you regularly get less than five hours of sleep, we're right at that five hour mark, right? You are four times more likely to get into a car accident. Oh, Denise, I get six, I'm better. Yes, you're right. Six to seven hours of sleep, you're only twice as likely to get into a car accident. Slower reaction time. 
slower reaction time is what it's all about. It's the equivalent of drunk driving. Drunk driving and drowsy driving are often being compared now. And I mean, this is why a few years ago, I actually had to rethink my whole sleep schedule is because this whole idea of drowsy driving really started freaking me out. Right? All right. So that's um, decreased reaction time. Also decreased hand-eye coordination when we don't get enough sleep. This is why we do not book elective surgeries on Monday mornings. Doctors are not immune to this stuff either. And then there's the impaired decision-making and the accidental increases. I think these two kind of go hand in hand, right? If, if we can't think through all the steps of what we're going to do, I mean, this is why, you know, the memes about this is why women live longer, right? And you've got a man on a ladder in a pool changing a light bulb. And you're like, what the heck? Because they're not thinking through all the steps because they didn't get enough sleep, right? It's an accident, but maybe it's one they could have thought through. And then... There's the brain stuff. You know what happens to your brain while you sleep? Your brain processes the day. It stores memories and it files the things that you've learned. So is it no wonder then that as we get older, we, the, the general reaction is to sleep less? Well, if we're sleeping less, we're more forgetful because our brain doesn't have the time to store the stuff, right? So I don't know if it's about age so much as sleep. And then there's the increased risk for depression. But how does this relate to weight loss? Since we are specifically talking about weight loss, how does this all play in? So first and foremost, I mean, we're talking about perimenopause and menopause here. How, does, how do the sex hormones play into all of this? Estrogen and progesterone. So during your cycle, you've heard me say, you've got your progesterone phase and your estrogen phase. Your estrogen phase starts from the first day of your period through ovulation. Estrogen is running higher. During this half of the month, you will have a harder time falling asleep. Progesterone phase is from the first day of ovulation until, until the, you start your period again, right? During your progesterone phase, you're going to fall asleep pretty quick. I mean, that's the role of progesterone, laid back, uh, you know, life is good, but you're more likely to see 1 to 3 a.m. every day, right? So you've got that effect. Now, when we're sleeping less, your ghrelin leads to, your, your ghrelin increases, which leads to your hunger increasing, which leads to increased weight. Because the ghrelin helps, doesn't help, <laughs> it initiates cravings. And the cravings it initiates are never for protein. Most often it's for carbs, the sugary kind, you know, which boost your energy, but then also lead to an increase of insulin, which then, you know, so we can protect the brain that then leads to storing around the middle, which then leads to increase in diabetes, right? The other thing we lead the cravings are for is fatty foods, which are stored around your middle. Hmm. Another hormone reaction to not enough sleep, your leptin is decreased. This is this means we're not feeling the fullness cues. We're never fully satisfied. And this is why we have bedtime snacking, right? We're tired, but instead of going to bed, maybe we've got one more thing to do, one more show to watch. It's not normal bedtime. So we're going to have a little snack because we're not really full. Seriously, have a protein shake and go to bed. So we've got 
increased stress, which is means increased cortisol, which leads to having no energy to fight the cravings because our mental capacity is just shot. Go to bed. Quit fighting it. Quit having that one more donut. Quit staying up for one more show. Go to bed. Next up, what are the symptoms of sleepiness? I mean, you know, some are super obvious, right? You're yawning. You're you're, you're nodding off during a meeting, right? There's that daytime fatigue. But there's also that lack of concentration or forgetfulness. You know, the 75 windows open in your brain and you don't know where the music's coming from. That. Then there's anxiety. The sleepier you are, the more anxious you are. And then extreme sleepiness, hallucinations. Keeping people awake is a form of torture. Why are you self-torturing? Now, all of this being said, I know that not all sleeplessness is voluntary, right? Some is voluntary, but not everything. I mean, there's sleep disorders like snoring and sleep apnea. Those aren't voluntary, but you are, even if you're in bed for nine hours and you feel like you slept, like you don't remember laying there awake from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., you're still having those mini wake-ups all night long. For some people, it's about employment obligations. Maybe they have to start their shift before the sun comes up. Maybe they work from five o'clock in the morning, or maybe they sleep till 10 or 11 at night, or work until 10 or 11 at night, right? Or maybe they're shift workers. Thank you, nurses. Thank you, third shift workers. But science has over and over and over and over and over again proven that shift work is hazardous to your health on a whole variety of levels. Then there's personal life stuff. Maybe you have a new baby. Maybe you're caring for another family member. Some things that can't be avoided, right? Maybe there's an old belief that we just don't go in bed, go to bed until after the news. Seriously, my dad didn't go to bed till after the weather. Weather was at 10.22 p.m. You don't go to bed till after 10.22. Or maybe it's just some unexamined behaviors. Like, I just need to watch one more show. Or Monday nights is dart league night or we have our regular night out or dancing night. Or again, you can't go to bed at 8 p.m. You are an adult. So let's fix this. Let's set ourselves up for success. Did you know there is a perfect time to be in bed? The perfect time is 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. This is, does not mean getting to bed at 10 p.m. and getting up at 4 a.m. These are the perfect six hours to be in bed. And it's got to do with melatonin, which helps you get to sleep, and cortisol, not always the bad guy, that helps you wake you up, right? Melatonin helps you get to sleep and is triggered by darkness. If we are up past its peak production, it's harder to get to sleep. You know, it's like um, peak production is around 10 p.m. So if you're just getting to bed, just starting to brush your teeth, wash your face, get, get all your things rounded up, then you're still having light in the eyes and you're, you're going to catch that second wind. So you need to be wound down in bed, ready to fall asleep when that melatonin starts to peak. And then around 4 a.m., your cortisol levels are supposed to rise to help wake you up, right? And get you ready so that as soon as the sun hits your eyes, you wake up easier. Let's set the stage for a perfect night's sleep. The stage, your bedroom. First and foremost, get all of the electronics and the screens 
out of your bedroom. Yes, the TV, your phone, your iPad, get them all out. Oh, I've got this fancy sunlight wake up um, alarm clock. Cool. You don't need to plug in your phone to it. You don't need to do anything else with it, right? Get everything, all the blue lights from it, get them turned off. The EMFs and the blue lights suppress melatonin production and they encourage you to stay awake longer. Get them all out. Next, how dark is your room? Especially if you're a shift worker or you go to bed when the sun is still up or whatever, get some room darkening curtains. The darker the room is, the better. I read a book years ago by T.S. Wiley. She had done some melatonin production sleep um, studies. And what she found is she'd put people in a completely dark room and then take a pen light and put it behind their knees, not anywhere near their eyes, behind their knees. And that significantly affected the melatonin production. So we're talking about all the lights, right? You know, when you first go to bed and you shut the lights off, your room is dark. But you know, when you get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you're like, you see the, the red light from the smoke detector and your alarm clock is lighting the way and um, the charger, your, light, your room is lit up like Christmas, right? We got to cover all this up. Cover your alarm clock up. Make sure the curtains are dark. Get the charger out of your room. Put some electrical tape over the smoke detector lights. Darken the room as much as possible. Next up, check out your bed. Are you waking up every morning with a sore back? It might be time to replace it. Is your bed big enough or are you knocking elbows with your bedmate all night? Or is your dog share the bed and maybe you do need that dog bump out? It's not a sign of a spoiled pet. It's a sign of a responsible owner who likes their sleep. Next on the stage, check your pillow. Is it too big? Is it too flat? Is it too fat? Is it too feathery? Is it too whatever? But are you regularly waking up with a sore neck or not quite rested? Check out that pillow. How about blankets? Are you regularly too hot or too cold? Putting your cold feet on your honey bun? Get a blanket. Too hot? Take a blanket off. Put it just on your honey's side if that's what needs to happen. Then there's the room temperature. Science shows that a cooler room promotes better sleep. Everybody's cool is different. The way my husband and I figured it out is we're like, okay, here's our regular temperature. We both are waking up. Let's turn it down one degree. Eh, it was better, but the next night, another degree, another degree, another degree. Until you found the, it's like, okay, now I'm too cold. I can't get to sleep. I'm too cold, right? You've got to find that fine line. Find out what your room temperature is. Maybe you need some white noise, like a fan or a white noise machine to drown out the noises. My husband has an altered shift. So when he goes to bed, you know, six o'clock at night, well, in the summertime, the kids and the dogs that are all out still playing are a big bother for him. That uh, having a fan going has really helped him. Another thought, bed is not the place for heated discussions and tough topics. Argue somewhere else. The bed is for sleeping. On that same note, don't eat in bed. Bed is for sleeping and maybe fun time. You've got to start drawing those associations in your mind. Otherwise, if you're used to eating in bed, what happens is you get all ready for bed, you lay down and, and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. I need a sandwich. Oh, I eat in bed, right? Knock it off. Stop. Bedtime. Bed is for sleeping. And then there's those fluids. 
Start paying attention to your daily fluids. First up, coffee. Seems like an obvious one, but quit drinking coffee significantly before bedtime, like 10 to 14 hours before bedtime. Quit having that afternoon pick-me-up coffee. The truth of the matter is, is that most of us don't have the gene to properly process the caffeine. And if you think you're one of those people that coffee doesn't affect you, energy drinks don't affect you, caffeine doesn't affect you, go without it. Yes, it's going to be a headache for a couple of weeks and then see how much better you sleep. Honest, I thought I was one of those people, but when I did that experiment, I was like, wow, and now I'm sleeping. Next up, alcohol. But Denise, wine helps me get to sleep. Probably. But it's also the thing that's waking you up. Knock it off. Now, I don't want to be the, the sleep, sleep police, but here's the deal. I, I don't care if you drink wine, drink wine. But if you're waking up every night, then it's time to examine all the habits. Maybe it's a smaller glass of wine. Maybe it's a glass of wine with dinner instead of right up until bedtime. Maybe it's I only have wine every couple of nights or every third night or only on weekends, right? Play with it. See how you sleep. If you don't experiment, if you don't test, you can't tell me it doesn't affect you. And then there's water. Water's totally healthy, right? Unless you're still trying to cram that last half a liter in right before you go to bed and then you're up every two hours going to the bathroom. Who wants to do that? Be up every two hours because you got to pee. Or, you know, you fight it. You wake up, you're like, oh, I have to pee. Let's try and get back to sleep, which just means you're up even longer convincing yourself you don't have to get up and pee, right? Start playing with the timing of that last glass of water, which, of course, might also mean start playing with the timing of that first glass of water. And if you're playing with your coffee, you'll probably start playing with your water consumption, right? All right. Next up, let's figure out what your custom bedtime is and how to set up a bedtime routine that helps you be in bed ready to sleep from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. or whatever your schedule permits. So let's talk about bedtimes. Like I mentioned earlier, 10.22. You don't go to bed before 10.22. You need to know what the weather is going to be tomorrow. I mean, this is a little outdated, right? I mean, back when I was a kid, there was only one way to find out the weather, and that was to stay up for the news. Now I have it on my phone. This is goofy. Let go of the belief. All right, there's a couple of ways to do the self-study to figure out what your perfect bedtime is. The first is like my ideal world, you're having a two-week staycation and you have complete control. You'd have nothing to get up for in the morning. So what you do is you go to bed at the same time every night and you see what time you naturally wake up. You figure out how many hours that is, that's, that's how many hours of sleep you need. Now, assuming staycation isn't happening for a while, The other way to do this, you have a time you have to get up, let's call it 6 a.m., and go to bed at your regular time, your alarm had to wake you up. The next night, go to bed 15 minutes earlier, and then each night, go to bed 10 to 15 minutes earlier until you start waking up just before your alarm clock. That's going to tell you how many hours of sleep you need and kind of get you to that, what's my perfect bedtime, right? So... Maybe it's seven and three quarters hours. Maybe it's eight and a quarter. Maybe it's actually nine hours. Figure out what time you need to get up in the morning. Work backwards. Poof, you have got your custom bedtime. 
Now, I did this a few years ago, and as silly as it sounds, right, when you get up at 4 a.m., turns out 10 p.m. isn't really a good bedtime. I found out that I needed eight and a quarter hours of sleep. This means to get up at 4 a.m., I needed to be in bed by 7.45. I had to really let go of my bedtime beliefs, but in less than a week of going to bed at 7.45, I loved mornings again, right? Test it. Now, you have your perfect bedtime, you have perfect amount of sleep, how do you get ready for bed? Okay, now, little disclaimer here. I know that once my nest became empty, it became infinitely easier to make this happen. But let's not discount all this. Let's not say, oh, I have to wait eight more years until my kids are all out of the nest or whatever. How can you do some workarounds? Maybe it's you and your honey alternate who's staying up and and getting the kids from their activities. Maybe it's creating a parent carpool so nobody has to stay up late every night of the week. Maybe it's calling in some help once or twice a week to do the pickups, right? Maybe grandparents live close by or something like that. So I get it. And what can you implement? How often can you get that perfect amount of sleep? So let's talk about bedtime routines just a second here. For the same reason they work for kids, they work for adults, right? Now I was pretty young when I had my twins and hadn't read tons of books on like the perfect bedtime routine or whatever, really. So bedtime was terrible. It was like whenever I finally needed to go to bed, you two need to lay down. And it was like a two hour screaming match, right? For years, it was awful, 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 awful. Now my niece is eight years old. And the first time I went to help um, babysit her, right? My sister says, all right, now bedtime is at seven o'clock. A half hour before bedtime, you shut off the TV and you have a snack. And then you go upstairs and you put jammies on and you brush your teeth. And then you let her pick out two books. And then you sit up here in the rocking chair and you read the two books, only two books. Then turn on the little lullaby machine or she can do it. She knows how to do it. Put her to bed. And I was like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. This is a bull. This is bullshit, right? But no lie, that child was asleep five minutes after her head picked the pillow. Five minutes. No, auntie, one more book. No, I have to go potty. No, I'm hungry. Nothing. She just laid down and went to sleep. Because that was her routine. Her body and her mind knew what to expect. So same thing works for adults, guys. So here's some ideas for that bedtime routine. Number one, and this one's kind of important. I'd really encourage you to strongly consider this one. Shut off the phone, your iPad, and the TV 90 to 60 minutes before bed. Remember, the blue light from these electronics is really messing with your melatonin production. So it's going to be harder to get sleepy if you're still putting the blue light in your eyes. Number two. Are you one of these people that as soon as you get to bed, you're like, oh, I have to remember to do this tomorrow and do that tomorrow and those clothes are in the wash machine and I've got to do this and and worries start to creep in? As you're getting ready for bed, write out tomorrow's list so you remember everything and you don't have to think about it and then it affects your dreams. Round up everything you need for the morning. Pack the lunches. Get your clothes ready. Get it all ready. 
Maybe a warm bath or shower is helpful to you. Calm your mind with a nightly gratitude or journaling routine. So the same way that worries creep in and affect your sleep, every night I write down 10 things I'm grateful for for the day. You know, it can be my kids, my husband, this great award I won at work, um, the help I got, the whatever, right? 10 things I'm grateful for. And then that plays into your dreams, right? Way better than worries. Maybe you want to have a small cup of herbal tea, but let's remember the pee-pee countdown. So, you know, make it small. Read a paper book. No getting the iPad back out. Read a paper book. Maybe bedtime routines start earlier in the day by getting more movement. Maybe a stroll, a walk, or a full-blown workout. Just remember, if you're going to do a full-blown workout, that also increases your cortisol, which is going to prevent you from falling asleep. You want at least three to four hours to let that settle out, right? Also, you know you got something to talk about with your honey? Have that discussion before you get to bed or before, right before bed, right? Don't wait until you shut the TV off. Like, I know it. Like, if you've got kids in the house or other people that you don't want to be part of the discussion, that you want to wait till they go to bed or whatever. But then maybe instead you need to go for a car ride or a walk with your honey and have that discussion so that you can get the air all cleared before you wind down for bed. Also, don't save the big O for bedtime. Go to bed earlier if you're going to have some playtime. Don't let fun time interrupt sleep time. And then finally, if you're caring for the littles or other people, can you call in help a couple times a week? I promise it's worth it. Whether that's, you know, um, calling your your sister in and saying, hey, we don't want to go anywhere. We just want to get some sleep. Can you come watch them? Right? I promise it's worth it. All right. I would love to hear what you have decided to do for your bedtime routine. I would love to know when you decided to do your custom sleep study. And if you have any questions, I would love to know about them reach out to me at denise at nowgetgoing.com. All right, one more quick thing. As we head into the holiday season, it's super simple to start gaining weight and push all the health things aside, right? And while I'd like to believe that the disruptions of 2020 um, can help improve your holiday season, I'd like to introduce the Hormone Habits for a Healthy Holiday Program. It's an eight-week program with six tweaks to a rested, calm, energized season, leaving you ready to jump into 2021, right? These are little things. Maybe they only take three or four minutes a day or even less, right? But little things that are going to gear you up and ramp you up for those New Year's resolutions. If you'd like some information on that, again, be sure to reach out to me at denise at nowgetgoing.com or shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram. Have a fantastic afternoon, evening, day. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean a ton to me if you left a review or passed this podcast onto your best gal pals. And hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions, be sure you join the Menopause Project on Facebook to get them answered. Until next time.